0: Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode of The Dairy Edge, Chagas Head of Grassland Science Michael O'Donovan and PhD researcher Tomas Tubrett joins us to explain the financial returns of receding. And I first ask Michael why we should recede.
1: Really, the, the, the case point about reseeding is that you're changing the, the sward that you have. So you're going from, let's say, a non ryegrass sward or a 50% perennial ryegrass sward to a uh, full perennial ryegrass sward, where, uh, you know, you have when you reseed, you have the choice of adding clover if you want. Um, so ultimately, you're changing the, the species that you have in the sward. And, you know, farmers now know if they're measuring, you know, what the profile is of the paddocks that are not producing and you know ultimately receding is the is the way around i suppose getting them to be more productive barring a soil fertility problem on the farm
0: you say more productive and you're talking about introducing perennial ryegrass into the swards you know how how do you quantify that
1: well i suppose you know looking at the last 5 years production from pasture-based farms that are measuring 35 times in the season, they're producing about 13 and a half tonne of grass dry matter. And you know, we'd expect them, those farms to be produ- produ- producing about 1.4 tonne by the 10th of April, but there's many farms out there that can't produce a tonne of grass. You know, I was looking at data last night where some farms are producing half a tonne of grass in that period. So ultimately that is an issue with probably soil fertility Perennial ryegrass, lack of perennial ryegrass in the sward, and probably a lack of nitrogen going out in spring. So, like, you know, and there is a bit of a debate coming through now on 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 spring nitrogen. You know, if you don't have perennial ryegrass swards, you're probably not going to get the response that you you you, you would you would get with with uh, from spring nitrogen, and like the work that. Philip Creighton did here in Moorpark showed clearly that with perennial ryegrass swards, you know, 90 to 100% perennial ryegrass swards, there was a 25% increase in the response to nitrogen from those swards. So, you know, ultimately, you know, swards with low levels of perennial ryegrass, we did some economics on that a couple of years ago, they were costing about, you know, three to 400 euro per hectare in lack of production to the farm. So if there's a substantial amount of those swards across a farm, you can see that you know there's going to be a lot of feed coming from elsewhere to support the stocking rate on the, on those farms.
0: And if we turn to you, Tomas, if we consider receding and the effect it has on the on the actual sward that you have sitting in the paddock, um, you know people talk about uh, quality benefits to receding. Would you see evidence of this across, say, Moorpark Park Farm and also farms that you you're out on across the country?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um. Just the new varieties have come onto the market relative to permanent pasture or older varieties. The quality within them are is much higher in OMD and DMD in them measures. And we've seen from this data that um just you can have 8% higher milky output when you have these swords relative to them older swords with lower quality.
0: So you, you mentioned OMD and DMD. So you're talking about the digestibility of the... Of the sword, is there, I suppose, a different makeup in terms of the, um, like I said, the fibre content is decreasing in these? Would that be right?
2: Yeah, that's right. So <clears throat> if you take it at 100%, it's digestibility, you'll have more water soluble carbohydrates and more digestible nutrients within that relative to fibre, will be then therefore less.
0: And then you mentioned there's going to be uh, an increase in milk production, and you're talking in the region of eight percent, which which is very considerable on farms. If we consider then um, grass utilization, is there a difference in grass utilization in your old older pastures when we compare them to the receded ground?
2: Yes, definitely. So my PhD work is involved in looking at uh, this topic. So we find we found that um, varieties that do have higher levels of OMD, they are. Cows tend to graze them more, graze them to uh, lower post-grazing sward heights and therefore they've increased intake of these varieties uh, over varieties with lower digestibility and lower nutrients within them.
0: And I guess getting down to a lower post-grazing sward height is really going to drive quality in subsequent lactations also.
2: That as well. Coming into the this time of year in May when swards are heading out, if they are consistently grazed low post-grazing sward heights, there's reduced buildup of stem within the sward and therefore they maintain their quality better throughout the season.
0: And back to you, Michael, if we consider the cost of receding, what sort of cost is it to recede uh, a hectare of ground?
1: So the full cost that we would have on receding is about seven hundred and fifty euro per hectare, about three hundred euro per per uh, per, per acre. Um, <clears throat> and like that's full cost, you know, getting a contractor in, the full full, you know, tractor cost of getting a contractor in to, you know, do do them do the, the task like rolling um you know fertilizer spreading that's the full cost but obviously a farmer if he has you know fertilizer spreader he's going to negate some of those costs and ultimately you know uh, i suppose the big things for us in receding are the spray costs the seed costs and then making sure that you know the follow-up fertilizer is 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 completed and that you get a good firm seed bed so like receding is a funny one um you know if it's done wrong it's very costly uh, if it's done right it can be very beneficial and you know we see that sometimes on farms that you know with you know disking particularly if it's not dissed well you get a lot of salt pulling you get a lot of salt pulling you get a lot of tiller date you get a lot of tiller date you got a sward that's opening up within you know 11 months it it's being established so the cost of it is very much dependent on how well it's done and you know how well the sward establishes over that you know and the sward it's the first 11 months is. Is really the crucial part of a of a reseed's life. That's when, you know, ultimately we're saying, you know, what mixtures are you put in? You know, you only know the mixture when you put it in the bag. Ultimately, you know, what happens in the first eleven months dictates, you know, the really the lifetime span of that, that sword. So, for us, you know, you know, the cost is, you know, okay on paper can be, you know, it's a static cost, but success of it is really where you know you get a good establishment of a productive pasture. That
0: I think that's a really interesting point because we see I mean it's the, you know we have the PBI for grass seeds and grassland and we have the EBI for cows you know you can have a really high EBI herd but you're not essentially going to see the performance unless they're managed well so it's I suppose the same kind of thing and to follow on so you're saying 750 euro per hectare in terms of receding and if we consider you know any money that we put in in terms of investment into the, in the farm we want to see a return and I suppose you know in farming terms some people talk about bang for your buck yeah what sort of return do you expect to see
1: the typical return on on receiving investment would be you know you get a, you, you get you get a return for your money within 18 months that's the typical return we'd see from receiving so you know highly highly i suppose highly returnable investment medium term returnable investment um uh, especially, I suppose, uh, and even better from that, you know, like we, we, the variation that we have on farms is nearly 100%. You know, some farms can produce 10 ton, some farmers are producing, you know, close to 20 ton of grass. So obviously, you know, the investment return, uh, you know, can be actually higher for, you know, some of those more productive farms. You know, if you're going, if you're dropping maybe to, you know, a 15 ton paddock to bring that back up to a 20 ton paddock. In in the boundaries of the management of that farm, are to bring you know uh, a a low producing paddock from maybe seven or eight ton up to fourteen ton. You know that's you know that's nearly a double doubling of or close to a doubling of production in in a full twelve month period. So there's huge you know return on investment in receding, um, and I suppose if you look at where we were last week on John McNamara's farm, a farm producing you know heavy clay soil producing fifteen ton on average across the last five years. um, you can see, you know, he was his his receding policy is about eight percent a year, and you know that's I suppose that's where the technically astute farmers are 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 using receding to make sure that the platform is and the soil ground is 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 returning what they expected to, re- to return from the fertilizer inputs that are that are going out.
0: And and I suppose it's a good point to pick up on. Um, and I suppose to you, Tomas um John McNamara is re- receding about 8% per year so he's getting around his whole farm say on average once every 15 years um what proportion should we reseed every year
2: yeah so like what John Mac is doing uh, 8% of your farm or 10% of your farm is what you should be targeting to um reseed every year now obviously stock rates have been affecting this if you're relatively lowly stocked at the moment there to be no harm in having a higher proportion reseeded then you can be building numbers and matching grass production too.
0: And and I suppose Match you're it. under less pressure w- when you're taking out ground yes. at a lower stocking rate. And I suppose where farmers are just, say, in a situation where a farmer has smaller paddocks, um, you know, they might have 20, 25 paddocks and they have this routine of I'll do one paddock per year. So they're really, they're getting around to maybe 4 or 5% a year. Do they need to lift that?
2: Yes, they definitely do. Because if you're at 4 to 5%, it's once every 20 years you're receding, and that uh, the swards are getting outclassed. There's uh, introgression of weeds into the sward, and the new varieties are coming onto the market uh, would far outclass these older varieties within 20 years.
0: And I, I suppose to be the devil's advocate here, I have you know, you hear some farmers and they say that paddock has receded 20 years ago, and it's one of my best performing paddocks. What do you think that comes down to? Is it just a really good variety that they put in 20 years ago?
2: I'd say it would be down to how that field is managed and the actual proportion of perennial ryegrass within that sward. So those farmers, um, they're obviously doing the weekly walk and it's producing as much as some paddocks on the farm. When they would actually pull the roots of those perennial ryegrass tillers, those tillers probably still do have their purple base and they're identified as perennial ryegrass tillers, whereas uh, older or less persistent, say permanent pastures like that, when you pull the the grass tillers you'll see shallow narrow roots white roots and that's just indicative of weed grass essentially which would lower production
0: and then um I guess you know it has been mentioned um, Michael that uh, farmers are measuring 35 times a year and there's a really really good indication of paddock uh, production and going back then you know to John McNamara again if we look at his Growth curve—it's very flat. So his there's not a huge difference between his top and his bottom paddocks in terms of performance. Where you're not measuring grass, is there any way of identifying my best paddock versus my worst paddock and the paddocks that you target for receding?
1: I suppose one of the one of the uh, one of the things that the grass ten team have brought out in the last uh, twelve months ago, uh, last January, was they have this uh, grazing wall chart where. Um, you know, if it's put in the parlour, a farmer has access to it. You know, every day, and he can document the the number of grazings that he's getting off a paddock, or whether there's a silage coming off a paddock, and that 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 clearly tells the farmer, you know, what what paddocks are being utilised with more grazings. And you know, a, a guy doesn't have to be measuring grass to use that. And you know, I think for for guys who aren't measuring grass, <clears throat> are not comfortable yet doing it, I think that that wall planner which is actually free from the from the Grass-Tain initiative, is 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 a good way of 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 profiling how productive those paddocks are. And like if a paddock is giving you twelve grazings, well automatically you know then that, you know, well you're going in there more frequently, uh, than, you know, something that might be giving you five or six or seven. And like that sort of variation is out there on farms, you know. Um, so I suppose, um, okay, we we like for this to measure, and you know, obviously measurement will will give you more knowledge, and you'll be, you'll be able to react to that. But the the the, the grazing uh, date wall chart is is probably the next uh, step down off of you know actually measuring grass weekly. I think that's that is useful for for many farmers, you know.
0: And if we consider then time of year when we're going receding, um, what. You know, what is the window for farmers to recede across a 12-month period?
1: Well, historically, April and August have been, you know, they are, those two months are probably the the months that that you target. And more and more, we've probably seen that we would have a preference now to move to the April, you know, end of the first round, middle of the second round uh, period. We kind of see that as, you know, growth rates are beginning to kick up on farms yeah, you know, if you recede in April, you probably have a good chance of getting that back in by the second week of June for aftergrass, Whether that's for calves or for for the for the, the herd, um, from a weed control perspective, from a clover establishment perspective, we think that the spring reseed is probably the way to go. Pasture tests would show us that you know some of the spring reseeds would be growing ten to fourteen tonne of grass dry matter. They would be growing as much as the swards are more than the swards that they would be re- being replaced in that full in that initial grass productive year so a lot of sense there's a lot of sense if a farmer can can free up that space to to go receding in in, in 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 spring in the autumn then it's 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 probably a different kettle of fish um you're looking at probably stocking rate you know if stocking rate is getting tight in the autumn and you're trying to build grass or you know autumn is not suitable for you um then the autumn there can be complications. Some guys, you know, August or somebody's September in their eyes and, and we go too late with sprays. We got we some summary seeds can't get grazed. If they don't get grazed in that first autumn, they're not tillering. Uh, and then you have, you know, if they're not sprayed, then you have docks coming in and chickweed coming in till the following spring, which which can fundamentally open up every seed without ever getting it grazed, you know, before the winter. So I think as much as possible we should we should be targeting the spring you know we we would see that you know clover struggles at establishment above eight degrees you do that in april you know clover has absolutely no no problem in establishing when you know soil temperatures are 14 15 degrees and and you know all our all our good clover swards i say in the tagus farms would be would be a uh, would be spring receipts
0: And just to pick up on a point that you made, you were saying that where you're receding in, say, April time, you're going to grow, you know, 10 to 14 tonnes on average on that paddock. So, you know, I think that kind of busts the myth for people, you know, this whole thing of, oh, well, you know, I'm going to produce half the amount of yield, I'm going to have half the amount of yield on that paddock that I would normally have if I hadn't taken it out. So, you know, what you're saying to us is that's not a problem.
1: Well, look, if you you spray it off, if you spray it off the 10th of April, you're cultivating it probably the 18th, 19th of April. You know what I mean? And if you get the seed in, and you, you're obviously you're banking on a contractor to, to do it for you. If you can get the seed in within a couple of days of that, you know, you're looking at, you know, a turnaround time. We, we target a tor- turnaround time of 60 days. But there's actually farmers who've got in, got back into swards after 42 days in spring receipts. And you wouldn't get that at all.
0: That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Michael O'Donovan and Thomas Hubbard for joining me on this week's show. Join us next week to hear the step-by-step of best practice for receding. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.